Welcome to the Mountain Park Church Podcast. We're excited to share this week's message with you. Our mission is to allow God to work in and through us, and we'd love to hear your story of how God has been working in or through you. Email us at mystory@mp.church and tell us how God has been working in and through you. Hey, I hope you're doing well today. Welcome to my home for a little bit of a teaching this morning. My name is Andrew, and I am the lead pastor at Mountain Park Church. Whether you're watching this at home, listening in your car, whether you're at the gym or whatever you're doing, uh, I just pray that today as we just dive into God's Word a little bit, that you will be encouraged, that you'll be inspired. I pray that um, today you'll be equipped with more truth to stand on. And so if it's okay with you, I'm just going to open up with a word of prayer If you're driving right now, don't close your eyes. (laughs) All right, let's pray. Father, we just humble ourselves before you and we declare your lordship and authority over our lives. We submit ourselves to your leadership, Jesus. We submit ourselves to you, Holy Spirit, your direction and leadership in our lives. We just uh, ask, Father, that you would bring us a deeper revelation of your word today. Father, in the name of Jesus, we just... um, cut off and oppose everything that has set itself against the purposes, uh, presence, and will of God in our lives, even for this time together. In the name of Jesus, I just forbid the enemy of God from having any influence, uh, from blinding us to the truth of God's Word, from um, affecting or interacting with us in any way. In Jesus' name, I just declare the covering of the blood of Jesus uh, over our lives and over our hearts as we engage with his word today. Amen. Um, I don't know about you, but I am amazed all the time at um, just how practical the word of God actually is in our life. I just love that something that Um, The Holy Spirit inspired Paul to write thousands of years ago, has a ton of application today. And so we're going to dive right into our study in the book of Ephesians. If you are just joining us for the first time uh, right now with this, we're uh, into chapter 3, but you can go on our website and listen to all the previous messages. I think we're on week 19 um, or 18 right now. Uh, so you can go on mp.church and uh, slash sermon, and you can listen to all the previous stuff. But one of the big ideas that we'll carry through today that Paul has been talking about is the, this reality that we live not just in a natural world, but in, in an inherently spiritual one. What Paul has been teaching us is that there is an interrelation between what happens spiritually and what takes place on the earth. And what we're about to read, these two chapters, not two chapters, <laughs> we'd never make it through, um, these two verses today that we're about to read um, are evidence of that as well. So if you have a Bible, I want to encourage you to get it out. Uh, if you're watching this in your living room, run and get it, um, and we're going to track through these two verses, Ephesians 3, verses 8 to 10. So uh, let's read that together. This grace, this is Paul speaking, this grace was given to me, the least of all the saints, to proclaim 
to the Gentiles the incalculable riches of Christ and to shed light for all about the administration of the mystery hidden for ages in God who created all things. This is so that God's multifaceted wisdom may now be made known through the church to the rulers and authorities in the heavens. Okay, what is Paul talking about here as we kind of jump back to the beginning of verse 8? Paul is describing this grace that was given to him. And this grace that Paul is talking about, he makes reference to elements of it in chapter 1, where he says that we are loved by God, we are chosen by God, we are adopted by God, we are called by him, we are um, given a new purpose by him, we are empowered by him, the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead lives in us. These are all facets of this grace that Paul is talking about. This grace, as he says, that was given to me wasn't just this grace of salvation, this grace of a fresh start, this grace of, um, you know, turning direction in my life. That is certainly a huge part of it. And what Paul is referencing, even as he talks about that aspect of God's grace, what he's referencing is this road to Damascus, literally, that's where he was going, this road to Damascus experience where he was on a course in his life of enmity toward God, of hatred of Jesus. Uh, He was dead set on discrediting God. He was dead set on um, stamping out this movement of Jesus. He was an enemy of Jesus, literally. Not just talking about, you know, Jesus in a negative way, but his whole life was oriented to be an enemy of Jesus. And on this road, God intercepts his life, and he has this powerful encounter that changes the course and trajectory of his life. This is the, the beginning of this grace work that Paul is talking about in his life. This is what he references in Ephesians 1 when he says we are loved by God. We didn't do anything to deserve this love. This is an an unmerited love for God so loved the world that he gave his only son. Even when we were railing against God, he still loved us. He still made the first move toward us, reached out and took our hand. This is the grace, the beginning part of the grace of God But Paul is not stopping there. This grace that he's talking about that was given to him wasn't just the love of God that transformed his life, that transformed him from going toward death and hell, toward life and heaven. That's not it. That's the beginning part of it. But what Paul is talking about is this grace that not only saves, but this grace that adopts, that that you and I have been transferred from the kingdom of darkness into light, that literally the ownership deed of our life has been transferred to God. We are his. We are his possession, his pride and joy, his prize. We are under the name of God. This is part of the grace work that Paul is talking about. Then Paul goes even further with this. He says that this grace has has not only saved him and has not only given him a new identity, this grace of God has actually given him a new calling and a new purpose. What he was once 
hell-bent to do, God now transforms and says, I'm going to use you as my instrument, my chosen instrument. God not only wants to save us and give us a new identity, he wants to renew our purpose, give us a totally different purpose in life. He wants us to see ourselves differently, and this is part of the grace that Paul talks about, but not only does God want to save us because he loves us, and not only does he want to change our identity by adopting us, and not only does he want us to have a new calling, but he gives us the empowerment of the Holy Spirit to do it. Not only does he call you to something radical and new and different, not only does he give you a a greater vision for your life, He actually empowers you to do it. And this is this full grace that was given to him, Paul says. This is the full measure of the grace. Not only have I been loved by God, not only am I adopted, not only am I called, not only is there a new vision for my life, but I've been given the power to accomplish it. Paul says that the same power that raised Christ from the dead lives in us. This is what grace Paul is talking to uh, talking to us about, and he says it was given to him the least of these, the least of all the saints. What Paul is saying here is, look, we need to remember that our strength and our power, our ability, our capacity has no determination on whether God will powerfully work in and through our lives. That's not part of this equation of grace that Paul has been talking about. The grace is there because we can't do anything to work for it or earn it. What Paul is referencing here is the reality that that God's power is made perfect in our weakness. Paul is writing this in the middle of a crisis moment in his life. He's writing this sandwich between two Roman soldiers chained to them, imprisoned. Paul has been beaten before. He's been um, beat. He's been stoned. He's been left for dead. He's been abandoned and shipwrecked and all of these things. And what Paul is saying is that, that God is still working in me and through me, even though I have no strength and power of my own, even though I'm insignificant in the world's eyes, I have great power and significance in the eyes of God. And when I allow God to use my weakness, he uses it as a vessel for strength. And we need to hear this today. We're in this crisis globally that has stripped the world of its power. These idols that we have had in our life are falling down. God has stripped us of these things that we've put our trust in, these patterns of living that we've put our trust in. He's stripping all of this away. And and we could look at that and we could cling to the last shreds of power and control and dignity we have. And maybe some of you are. Maybe you're just, you know, clawing at every last little bit of control you can exert over your family right now as you're locked in your house. Maybe you are anxious and overwhelmed and panicking because the the basis of your life has been stripped away. And what Paul is saying is, look, just realize that even in this moment, When everything has been stripped away, God's strength is actually made perfect in that. That there's nothing that's happening in your life or in my life now that could limit or disqualify God from powerfully working. The question is, are we willing to offer him our weakness today? Are we willing to offer him 
our failures and our frailty? Are we willing to offer him our insignificance, our lack of control? Um, Not self-control, but our lack of the ability to control stuff around us. God's capacity isn't released through our strength or our control, our ability to, to, to navigate situations. God's capacity and his power is made perfect in our moments of weakness. I wrote this down in my notes here. Weakness forces us. This moment we're living in is actually in some ways a gift. You know, if if this has, um, crisis we're walking through has cost you your job and, and, and is putting you under a, an incredible pressure, I just want you to know that even as a church, we we're here for you. I'll tell you a little bit about that later. But um, this actually moment forces us to move on God's power and his timing. I believe that whether you're facing the loss of income and not sure what to do, that, that God isn't at a loss for what to do, that actually in this moment particularly, he wants to step into your weakness. He wants to step into your vulnerability. He wants to step into the unknown of the future. And he, he wants to invite you to actually ask him about timing and power. God, what do you want me to do? God, what does your timing look like for me in my life? God, how do I see your power released even in this moment where I feel so weak and vulnerable? Our weakness and moments of weakness force us to move on God's power and timing. And this is perfectly evident in Paul's life as he's sitting in jail. He can't do the very things he wants to do. You know, we, we've been asked to stay at home right now and and uh, hang out with our family and, you know, have this social distancing stuff and all of that. Paul was forced into it. He was forced into a new reality. And even in that new reality, he realized God's strength was at work and power, even though he was the least of all the saints. God could do something through him that changed the course of nations and history. And he can do the same things in your life and my life. He goes on to say, that this grace was given to him to proclaim to the Gentiles the incalculable riches of Christ. What's he saying there? I think that Paul is referencing specifically the Gentiles because in the first century um, Near Eastern culture, there was the Jewish culture, and they were the children of promise. They were the children of blessing. They were the ones who inherited Uh, and were grafted into the family of God. The Gentiles were outsiders. They were enemies. They had no right to the work of God in their lives. They had no right to the, the promises and blessings and benefits of God. And what Paul is doing here, I think by, by highlighting the incalculable riches of Christ for the Gentiles, is he's saying, look, even if you've been running from God, even if you have been living your life as though you're an enemy of God, even if you believe that, that, that you're disqualified, that because of Jesus Christ, if you've surrendered your life to him, if you're walking in obedience and faithfulness to him, every blessing, every power, every promise that is found in the kingdom of heaven is yours. Paul starts this book of Ephesians and he says, we've been blessed 
in heavenly places with every blessing that's there. We've been blessed by God. And what Paul is saying is that in Christ, there's nothing that disqualifies you and I from receiving everything that heaven has to offer, from receiving every blessing of heaven. Maybe you're sitting watching this or listening to this. Maybe you're driving right now or you're at work or you're, you know, wherever you are, you're out for a walk, doesn't matter. Maybe you feel like you don't deserve the goodness of God, the faithfulness of God, the grace of God, the mercy of God. Maybe you feel like you don't deserve the power of God working through you. Paul would say, stop. What God has to offer us is not dependent or contingent on us. It is because of Jesus Christ. It's because of what he did that we now have full and unrestricted access to the Father. Isn't that amazing today? Isn't that amazing that in our homes and in our families, no matter what we're going through, we have unrestricted access to everything that God has promised us. I believe that Paul would say to us right now, don't let your circumstances, don't let what you're facing, don't let the fear that you are carrying and the anxiety you feel, don't let the limitations that you're experiencing limit what you believe God could do in you and through you. The full riches of Jesus Christ are available to us. Paul goes on to say that this grace was given to him to shed light for all about the administration of the mystery hidden for ages in God who created all things. This mystery that was hidden for ages in God is Jesus Christ. This mystery is this truth that God did not act ask you and I to sacrifice ourselves to try and solve the problem of our own sin, to try and solve the problem of our own habitual sin, our own, um, you know, failures and inadequacies. God didn't try uh, and ask us to, to, to fix it for ourselves. The mystery of God is that the God of the universe would sacrifice his own son for you and I. The mystery that Paul is referring to is that Jesus Christ, the Son of God, was the perfect sacrifice for our lives, that once we receive him, we have full adoption into the family of God, that we are fully loved by God, that we're adopted, or our identity is transformed, we're given a new calling, and we're empowered and released for that calling. This is the mystery that Paul was talking about. And I'm not sure where you're at today, but this mystery God wants to reveal to you in your life, that as you surrender your life to the Lordship of Jesus Christ, he will fill you. He will redeem you. He, by his blood, can save you. That God sacrificed for you so that you wouldn't have to sacrifice for him. Now we're asked to give our lives as a living sacrifice, but even in giving our lives as a living sacrifice, that cannot repay to God what he's owed, for the measure of sin is death. 
but the gift of God is eternal life. This is the mystery Paul is talking about. He's telling us and he's imploring us and reminding us that Jesus, he himself, is the answer for your sin. He's the answer for your failure. He's the answer for that habitual sin that you keep turning back to. He's the answer for your brokenness. He's the answer for the season we're in today. Jesus, this mystery now revealed, is the answer to all of those things. We can't earn his love. We can't earn his calling. We can't earn his empowerment. It is the gift of God. I wonder today if you've actually humbled yourself, repented of your sin, and received and asked for that gift of salvation hidden in the mystery of Jesus Christ. Paul goes on to say that this mystery was hidden for ages in God. This was so that God's multifaceted wisdom, God's multifaceted wisdom, may now be made known through the church to the rulers and authorities in the heavens. What Paul is saying here is that um, God's wisdom, God's desire, his plans, his will on the earth is not to just actually have a whole bunch of people sit back and ask him to do things, but that it's actually through the body of Christ together. It's through this group of people. The, the church is not a building we are no more restricted right now from being the church than when we get to meet together um, in the same building. The church is not a geography or a landscape. The church is not bricks and mortar. It's the body of Christ coming together. It's a whole bunch of people who carry unique callings and unique giftings who are walking in obedience to God that are filled with the Holy Spirit's power and then through them are establishing the kingdom of God and the will of God on the earth. Paul is saying that it's through you and I, it's through the church that God is revealing even to the um, principalities and rulers of the spiritual realm that it's even to them through us that God is working and moving and revealing his nature and character and his will. We are the conduit through which God works. Some of us are content to just pray and ask God to heal that person. And God, would you do this? God, would you bless this person? God, would you encourage this person? God, would you provide for this person? And I think sometimes God is sitting there and he's going, no, 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 no. I've loved you. I've adopted you. I've called you. I've gifted you. I've empowered you to be the one who does it. You go and love them. You call them an encouragement. You declare healing over their bodies in my name. You bring the kingdom of God to the earth. And in this way, when we do that, it sends a message to the rulers and powers and authority in the spiritual realm. The, the word for church in the Greek is ecclesia, and, and that wasn't a spiritual word. That Paul and Jesus took that word from Roman culture, and that word ecclesia was literally a group of people who were sent by the king, by the emperor of one country into another country to establish the culture and the rule and the dominion of that kingdom in that new country. And this is what God has called us to do today. He's called us to be the conduit through which the power of God is at work. 
We are no more limited in that right now than we used to be. Are you allowing the power of God to work through you to your family that you're with 24-7 right now? To your husband, wife, your kids, your, your brother, your sister, your friends that you're able to call and text and connect with, are you allowing the power of God to work through you? Or are you just sitting back and asking God to do it for you? This is what Paul is talking about. Paul uses this word multifaceted, and that word for multifaceted literally means the intricate beauty of an embroidered pattern or the endless variety of colors and flowers. Such, the apostle says, is the wisdom of God, the church declares. Look, what Paul is saying is this multifaceted wisdom is never at a loss for what to do. God is never at a loss for wisdom or direction in any given situation. There's nothing that you and I are facing right now or ever could face in the future that puts God at a loss, that God doesn't have an answer for. There's never been a sin or a problem of evil on the earth that God's multifaceted, intricate, beautifully embroidered wisdom does not have a response and an answer for. Even if you're out of work today, God, in his wisdom, he's got a response and an answer for. He wants you to be involved in the solution, but you can ask him. He's not taken off guard. We have no reason to be given over to panic and overwhelmed with fear and anxiety because in all of these things, God has a multifaceted, intricate, beautiful wisdom. He can take ashes and turn it to beauty. There's nothing that devil can throw at you or me that he doesn't have a multifaceted, beautiful answer for. He can take the broken and distorted and twisted things of this world and make something beautiful. This is the multifaceted wisdom of it. It's through the church. It's through you and I living as loved sons and daughters, receiving um, our, our new identity, understanding who God is and who we are, receiving a new calling and purpose for our life. Have you asked him, God, what is your purpose in my life today? And it's also understanding that we've been empowered through the Holy Spirit. If we operate in God's timing and under God's direction, he supplies us with the power even when we're weak and unqualified, even when we're at a loss. He's never at a loss. So the question is, how do we do it? How do we apply it? Number one, we need to develop our spiritual lives. We need to develop it. The disciples in Mark chapter 9 were trying to cast out a demon. Jesus arrives and they, uh, they say, Jesus, why couldn't we do it? And he said, because this kind can only come out through prayer and fasting. Jesus then cast the demon out, but he doesn't go on to pray and fast. Why? Because Jesus had stewarded something in his spiritual life and private that he was then able to use and access when the moment called for it. We need to develop our spiritual lives in this season, in this time. I implore you, take this time to dig deeper into your spiritual life, to go places you've never gone. Jesus didn't need to pray because of what he'd already been doing. Number two, we need to begin with love, and then move to action. The basis of our spiritual life, Jesus said, is love. Our first priority is love, not service, not work, not action. Jesus said the first command is love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. The second is like it. Love your neighbor. Follow me. 
love me first, invest your life in loving me, and then out of that love, allow me to powerfully work in you. I want to encourage you with these words from Ephesians today. God wants to work powerfully in you, even in this season. I just want to encourage you today. Don't give up. Don't give in. God is working and wants to work. He's got an answer from his multifaceted wisdom, and he's inviting you and I to be the conduit through which he works. We hope that you are challenged and inspired by what you heard today, and that you're willing to allow God to work in and through your life in bigger ways this week. We'd love to stay connected with you on social media, facebook.com slash mountainparkchurch and instagram.com slash mountainparkchurch. Finally, if you have a story of how God has been working in and through you, we'd love to hear it. Just email us at mystory@mp.church at and tell us how God has been working in your life lately.